Uh, if you're visiting, we're glad that you're here today. Today we're going to look at a very, very important subject. And that is the Lord's Supper. Some call it communion. Some call it the Eucharist. And, uh, but it's a very important topic. Uh, it has been an incredible blessing for me to study this this week because I, start, I really had to go back and, and study intently the Lord's, the, the Seder meal to understand what Mark is trying to say in the Lord's Supper. Uh, but uh, it's a blessing, but it's been a challenge as well. And here's the challenge that I have uh, this morning. Uh, two challenges, I think. Number one, uh, we live in an American culture as we come to worship. The last thing we want to hear about is sacraments. Um, and one of the reasons is we want to be more practical, right? We don't like all the mysteries. Uh, I need something practical that's here. And the other challenge, I think, uh, about looking at the sacraments and the Lord's table, do y'all realize how many different interpretations there are? In fact, it's been the source of much division within the church for, for millennium. And then I guess the last challenge is this. Um, I'm a minister of the gospel. James tells us that let there be few teachers uh, for you will be held accountable to the things you teach. And so I would say the sacrament, the Lord's Supper, is something that's very important to understand. One last thing as we look at this, as we come to our text. This is a meal that we'll see is ongoing until a final cup is is drunk in heaven. And so what happened 2,000 years ago in this mill was this great shift and is pointing to a day to come when we'll feast with Christ. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to our text this morning. Now the reason we're studying this is this is where we are in our text in the book of Mark. We're studying the book of Mark. This is why we're going to look at the sacraments. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 26. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you have not left us in the dark, that you have revealed yourself to us in your word to understand all of history, the history of redemption, what you have done for us in Jesus Christ and what our future is. But Lord, we confess to you that apart from your Holy Spirit, we cannot understand this text or the Lord's Supper or the gospel itself. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you would open up your word to us to understand the magnitude of Christ instituting this sacrament, the Lord's Supper, 
in such a way that we can benefit and understand and know truly what it means to, by faith, feed upon Jesus Christ, who is our Passover lamb. And we ask these things in your name and for your sake. Amen. Now, you've heard it said many times, uh, you cannot see the uh, forest because of the trees. And we know what that expression means, right? That sometimes we're so caught up in all the details of life and all the horizontal stuff of life, paying the bills and struggling with this and struggling with that, that we lose sight of the big picture, right? And so we need to have kind of a 30,000-foot view of the forest so we can know exactly where we are. Because there's a lot of things that are coming at us all the time that confuse us when we're in the trees. And ever, if there was a time we needed to see the big picture, it is in our culture that's known as postmodern uh, or postmodern modern, where nobody believes there is a big picture, right? And so what you do is you create your own reality. You're creating your own view of life. You go according to what your heart leads or how, how you experience something. This is what it means to me. And then, of course, you just realize there are more trees. And you get more confused. And so we need the big picture. And so that's what the gospel gives us. That's what God's word gives us. But on the other hand... Uh, the reverse is true as well, right? Sometimes we're at, flying at such a 30,000-foot uh, view that we have this great sense that we understand things, but we're never entering in to how those realities affect our lives at the detailed level. And so we need to see sometimes the trees. I guess the best way I know to... to uh, I was trying to think of a way to illustrate it. But if I were to tell my wife, hey, hun, we're going to France on our next uh, honeymoon, uh, not honeymoon, anniversary, and we're going to go to Paris, and so she's excited, and the anniversary comes around, and then uh, she says, do you have the tickets? I said, we don't need tickets, and she says, what do you mean? And I say, well, we're going to uh, sit down at the dining room table, we're going to put out a map, and we're going to stick a little pin right there on Paris, and uh, so we're going to go to France. Uh, that's kind of seen the big picture, but she would probably like to get in the plane and actually go there, you see, and to experience what it means to be there. Now, what I want us to do is look at the details of the sacrament and what it means. We know the big picture of redemption. We have some sense of what the Lord's Supper is. But what I want us to do is see in detail what the Lord's Supper is about in such a way that it expands our understanding of the gospel for us uh, in Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want us to see from our text today as we look at the Lord's Supper. And that is simply this. That you need to see Christ that the elements point to. And not look at the elements as though there's something there in the elements. To receive Christ by faith and to see that it's in Him 
that God allows us to sit at the table and to fellowship with him and to fellowship with one another. So that's what I want us to look at today. I mean, what is the practicality of the sacrament? Why do we do this every week? Why is it that we fence the table every week? It is because God has given us this sacrament in such a way that not only do we hear the gospel, but we can taste and see that the Lord is good, that we are one people and one body of Christ. And so here's what I want to do this morning in the time that we have. The first thing I want to do is I want to explain the Passover meal. What's actually going on? We have a little bit of a snippet this here in the book of Mark, and really there's snippets from the rest of the Gospels. But actually, if you were to look at this passage, you would say, well, that took five minutes to say that. But actually, the Passover meal took four hours. And there's a lot that's going on in the meal that informs us about exactly what was going on. So when Christ says, this is my body broken for you. And this is the new covenant in my blood. It gives us an understanding in a more full way. And then after that, I want to explain Jesus' interpretation of what the Seder meal is about. What is the Paschal meal about? What is his interpretation? Because he says something at the Seder meal for the first time in 1,500 years that shocked the disciples. And then the last thing is, can we find practical application in our understanding of the Lord's Supper? Well, I think we should because Jesus has given us this supper for us because as we remember him, we see his mercies weekly on our behalf. So what's happening at this meal? Now, I'm going to kind of go into teaching mode here instead of preaching mode because I need to lay out for you what's happening. Well, notice in verses 22 through 24. It says, as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Now let me tell you what Mark is doing here. He's actually getting us to the third cup. There's actually four cups throughout the Seder meal. And so it's important for us to understand the significance of this cup and what he's saying by understanding the rest of the cups that are there. Here's what takes place every year among the Jewish people, even to this day for 3,000 years. They have what they call a Seder meal or a Paschal meal. And the meal is convened by the family, the head of the family, the father. In this case, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who was convening the meal. And so the, the father would gather everyone together. And then the first cup, when they came together, was the cup of what they call sanctification. The cup of God's blessing that God has calling a people to himself out of the nations of the world. And so this cup of blessing, this cup of sanctification, 
uh, was the, the cup that would be blessed, and they would sing in response. Psalm 113 to 115, the Hallel Psalms, the Psalms of Praise. And then, after they sang the, the praises and the, and the cup was lifted up, then the youngest person in the family would ask the question, what is the purpose of this meal on this night? Why are we doing this? And the convener who would usually be the father, would be the father, would begin to explain what all the foods had to do uh, with the, the evening. And so the he would say this, This is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat this Passover meal. The bitter herbs recalled the bitterness of slavery. And then the stewed uh, fruits and the vegetables put together gave the color of clay and that reminded the people of their slavery and the, the bricks of mortar that they were under. And then the Paschal Lamb provided a reminder of God's gracious passing over the children of Israel when God, God's judgment uh, came upon Egypt. So that was the first cup of blessing. And then after that cup of blessing, before the meal came out, came the second cup of blessing. And the second cup of blessing was when the bread was lifted up and the bread was blessed. And, they, and, hit the, and the, the presider said, this is the bread of our affliction. And he broke the bread and he passed it. And the bread was eaten in silence. Then after the bread was eaten, the, the entire meal was eaten. The Seder meal was eaten. At the end of the meal, the third cup was lifted up. It's the cup that Mark refers to here in this passage. And it's the cup of redemption. And the cup of redemption is God's promise to deliver his people himself that he would purchase Israel. And then the fourth cup, and what ended the cider meal was the cup of the promise that God would restore Israel. So the four cups of wine are a cycle, you see, found in the book of Deuteronomy, and here's the cycle. The first cup, God says, I will bring you out. And the second cup says, I will rid you of your bondage. And then the third cup was, I will redeem you. And then the final cup was, I will take you as a people for myself. And so there's this rehearsal of God's promise to Israel year after year after year that he would deliver them and that one day there would be ultimate fellowship with him forever when Messiah came. Now what happens here in this supper is when the third cup comes Jesus says something astounding he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood 
In other words, Messiah has come. That the promised Lamb of God has entered into the world. And this new covenant will be the covenant in my blood. This cup that I drink is the cup of wrath. And I am here to be your substitute. So what happens here, at this point, we move in space and time and history from the Seder meal that's pointing to Christ, and Jesus Christ astoundingly says, I am him. I am the Messiah. And all things move from there toward the future that now we can fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Now that's what's going on at the Seder meal. The fourth cup, the cup of the restoration, Jesus says in verse 25, I will not drink this cup until we drink it again in the newness of the kingdom, in the fulfillment of the kingdom. And so Jesus explains what's going on in the supper. Now, the reason it's important to understand this interpretation of the Lord's Supper and exactly what is taking place is because there's lots of different views of the Lord's table. I don't want to get into all the theology, but some say the Lord's table is just a memorial. That we just remember Christ. There are others who say that in the elements, when we talk about the bread and the wine, it's literally the body of Christ called transubstantiation. There, there are others, uh, the Lutherans believe in consubstantiation, which says, well, the real presence of Christ is there, and he's over and around and under the elements, but because they wanted to hang on to the, the saying here that this is my body. And the Reformed view and the view that we take uh, is this, is that the real presence of Christ is here when we take the Lord's Supper and we receive him by faith. So what is going on here in the Supper and what is Jesus' interpretation of the Supper? It's two things. One, Jesus, when he lifts up the bread and he says, this is the bread of affliction, He's pointing to himself as the one who comes to Israel to give them life. And he comes to us in his body to rescue us from our lives that are lived in bondage and lived in sin. And then he tells us that this cup is a new covenant, the new covenant in his blood. That his blood was shed on behalf of us to deliver us from our sin and from the bondage that we're in. Now, a lot would say this. Why why is it that in the Christian faith we talk about the... the, what we talk about the, the need for justification? Why is it that we talk about death and substitution? And the reason that we talk about that, the reason that the gospel points to this is because there is no giving of life without life being given. We know that in our own lives, to give our lives to other people is to enter into their suffering, and then when we enter into their suffering, it is a giving of our own lives to that person. 
What we have in Jesus Christ is one who has given himself and poured himself out on our behalf. He's entered into our affliction. He has drunk the cup of wrath that we deserve in order that he might bring us life and to bring us hope. Isaiah 53 points to Jesus Christ being the lamb who was substituted on our behalf. He was led as a lamb to the shears. He was crucified for our transgressions. We are, by God's grace, partakers of the table because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus Christ invites us to the supper because he himself is our high priest and he has entered in on our behalf so that we might enter the presence of God. So that's what's going on in the cider meal and this is Jesus' explanation of the Passover meal. So how does that apply to us today? Well, let me ask you this. When you come to the Lord's Supper, do you understand that what he is doing is he is inviting us to do several things? Number one is to completely trust in his work on our behalf. That Jesus Christ alone has covenanted. He is the one who substituted. That when the blood was shed across the doorpost, The promise was that anyone who was inside that house, the angel of death would pass over. And so what is the the gospel? The gospel is saying that Jesus Christ alone is the one we're to trust. We're not to trust in our works or to trust in our um, performance, but we're to trust in his substitutionary atonement for us. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. What weekly communion does is it reminds us every week that Jesus Christ is substituted and entered in on our behalf. The second thing I think that the communion uh, teaches us is this. Is that we do this and we understand the gospel in community with one another. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So when we come together, we're coming together as God's community to to, to acknowledge that we cannot understand the gospel on our own. It's in the context of the body of Christ. And so we live our lives together. And we worship together. And every Sunday we come together and we receive from the Lord his benefits. And here's the third thing I think that it teaches us is this. That because there's a future cup to come, when all things are complete, it reminds us of the incompleteness of our own Christian life that every Sunday, every Sunday we need to hear the preaching of the gospel. Every Sunday we need to hear of the work of Christ on our behalf because we cannot perform as we should. 
We cannot be the people that God has called us to be. And so there is this sense that when we partake of the Lord's table, it's only a taste, is an appetizer looking, as it were, to a time that there would be fulfillment and all things would be new. And then lastly, there is this expectancy that we can have Sunday after Sunday as we come and hear the gospel preached and we come to communion, that there is this promise that Jesus is going to be with us through all of our circumstances. Whatever happens in our lives, that he is always there and he's going to take us into his presence. Now, let me say this. <laughs> I You know, let me tell you, I want to say this. I spent probably 25 hours on this sermon. Um, and I'm not getting it out there right. And sometimes this happens. And, uh, but you know how you know that sometimes? It's when everybody's going, hey, this boy, oh boy, he's struggling here. So, here... I mean, can I take 10 minutes to say what I think I've been studying for about 30 hours this week? And for y'all that are visiting, I'm sorry. You can come back next week and go, hey. Um, let, let, me, let me say this. In my studies, <laughs> in my studies of the, 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 the Seder meal, looking at the details, the thing that I realized as I studied is the idea that God is concerned about his people, his family. And that through uh, the, the, the Seder mill to understand that 1,500 years had been developed year after year after year pointing to a promised Messiah for his people, initially for Israel. Uh, that God called Israel out not because they're wonderful people, but because he made a great promise to Abraham. And so year after year after year, God has made a great promise once he delivered Israel from Egypt that there would be a greater deliverance. And that deliverance would be from the real bondage that we have. And the real bondage that we have is our sin, right? Our own slavery, our own sense that, uh, that we are not as we should be. And so God promises this coming Messiah who would deliver us. And so in this meal, this family meal, it's always pointing to the fact that we cannot deliver ourselves. And so God in his mercy, has sent Jesus Christ to do for us what we cannot do, to substitute for us. And the cup that we're going to look at next week is the cup in the garden that he asked his father.
Father, let this cup pass from me. This cup of judgment that the third cup is about. In fact, a lot of commentators say there was no lamb at that meal to be eaten because he was the meal. Uh, he was the lamb. And the cup that Jesus drinks is the cup of our sin. And because of his substitutionary work, that when we come here on Sunday morning to hear the gospel and we have these visible signs, that we can know that everything has been accomplished on our behalf. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we come to the Lord's table and we worship him together, understand that we're here to worship him, what he has done for us on our behalf. There's nothing in the elements. These elements are pointing to Christ being the bread of life and the wine pointing to the blood that needed to be shed to give us life. And when you receive these by faith, you'll be strengthened in your faith. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I come into your presence and I thank you that you are our God and our Redeemer. And uh, Lord, I pray that these words that have been feeble this morning, uh, Lord, would be driven home to someone here. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to know that you have entered into this world on our behalf. You are our Passover lamb. And that you have invited us to the table through your work on our behalf. And that anyone who's here today can know true fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would feed upon you. That we would trust in you that we would look to you alone as our only hope of having any real meaning in life. You're our only hope for the world to come. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. I pray that you would bless the reading of your word and the hymns that we sang and the prayers that we prayed. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we come to receive communion today. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I've already asked John and Tim if they would help with communion. So if you'd come forward.